Welcome to the Ink and Note podcast, your podcast for creatives by creatives, where we talk about living a creative lifestyle. On today's episode, we are chatting with William Bunchen, a friend of mine who is a portrait and fashion photographer. Will has reached some great achievements thus far in his career, which we will talk about. So Will, you've done my headshots, I think twice now, uh, once in 2018 and then once this past summer, and you made me look flawless. What's your favorite part about photography and why did you get into it? I think the entire process, like the, you know, the conception of the ideas as you know, I'm speaking with uh, a potential uh, client or even when I was working with you, for example, we had a base idea that we wanted to work with and then afterwards kind of building on that. And it's a collaboration the entire way through. So it gets me really excited because then afterwards it's just like, okay, I get to create. I I have an idea and a visualization of what we might create, but then it could be completely different once we're actually shooting. So the, the entire process, honestly, is very invigorating for me. I just find it very like fascinating. Yeah, it's cool that uh, like you fell in love with the process. I love that whole idea because I feel like that's when you know like you're really invested in something. Is like it's not just like an art form that you enjoy as like a consumer, but like when you love the process of it, it's like you know you're gonna love creating it. Um, so I love that. It's cool. Exactly, because each step it kind of like adds. It's almost kind of you know making layers and adding one thing and then the next, and then afterwards you get the actual image, like whether it be a JPEG or a print. But like even like the post processing. So editing, when I'm doing color grading, I'm thinking of, you know, do I want to do cool tones? Do I want to do warm? What was it like during the actual shoot? Like, what was the atmosphere during the actual shoot? And I always want to incorporate that. And, and like, the, like, when I'm shooting, it's like, I've been very lucky to shoot a lot of people that were my friends and then others that hired me eventually because they saw my photos online or another person that they knew had worked with me just prior. So like eventually I would make friends with them as well. And then we've worked together several times since then, but every single time is very exciting. And I, it, it's always something that I look forward to because I want to kind of push myself in creating, you know, another very special moment that I'll always hold on to and that the other person can always hold on to. So what got me started in photography, the earliest thing that I can remember was, well, two. It was my family. They had a very large kind of like creative influence on me in terms of different kinds of avenues of art that my older siblings specifically kind of like partook in. So they did music, they played instruments like the saxophone, the clarinet. Um, my brother really liked guitar for a period of time. And then they both, my older sister and my older brother, both sketched. So I used to sneak into their rooms and I would look at their sketchbooks and I would go and like flip through the pages and everything. And I just think to myself, I'd love to be as talented as them one day. And that was kind of like what started. That's so cool. Yeah, it it kind of like snowballed from there that I tried different mediums of of art. I, I did painting, I did sketching as well. I was into writing for quite some time and I actually still have some of my short stories that I used to write all the time, different kind of like concepts. I'd take inspiration from people in my life and different qualities of these you know, figures in my life and I would implement them into the characters that I would create. So um, when it came to photography, it was my favorite time of the year was summer. And um, I absolutely just like loved the freedom of being outside, being outdoors, and just the way that the light would change throughout the day and the way that it would make me feel. And I kept thinking to myself at some point, like I, when I was probably like eight or nine, I would love to, to like save these moments for my entire lifetime. And Aww. then I started bothering my, my mom and just like kind of like pestering her that I really wanted to have like a disposable camera. I was just like, just get me a disposable camera for my, my next birthday. And then afterwards, like I'll leave you alone. So eventually I did, I think I was probably like 10 or 11 
when I got the camera out, I remember just running around taking photos, taking photos of my friends, taking photos of like the the sky, trees, everything around me. And I still have some of those photos. None of them are really that good, but there were moments that I, you know, that were really special to me. So it my kind of like photography journey really started from that point on and it was just an interest where you know things like america's next top model was kind of you know emerging at the same time it was a moment where i was like oh okay so this is i guess what happens on shoots on these fashion shoots and some of my favorite music videos were done by um, photographers like Herb Ritz, who was absolutely just amazing. He did Chris Isaac's Wicked Game music video. And that one, till this day, is one of my absolute favorite songs and music videos as well. So my, I guess, influences are from like different areas, but predominantly from my family. And then afterwards, um, my everyday life, like uh, the different kinds of art mediums that I was kind of experimenting with and then music videos of some of my favorite artists growing up. So that is how, like, by the time I went to high school, I was in the yearbook class. So working with DSLRs, I was also um, in a, a film photography class and doing a work in the darkroom. And I mean, my images weren't that great then but um it was something that like i really enjoyed and then afterwards when i finished high school i was just like i want to go study photography and i did oh love it i love it i also um like love music videos i was glued to my tv growing up as a kid just on much music just watching music videos like that's all i did that's literally all i did so it sounds like you come from a, a really creative family and were exposed to you know, a lot of creative avenues at a young age. So that's really cool. Yes. I was very fortunate in that kind of sense. Like even my mom, like my mom, when the pandemic started, she did go out and buy masks, like just like everyone else. But then she took it upon herself to create masks of her own with a sewing machine. We got her one and she went on YouTube and started looking at a whole bunch of tutorials. And Aww. every single one of the masks... <laughs> that I have, you know, she's designed and then afterwards she's like made from scratch. And now a year later, um, she's actually making for some of our neighbors and they've hired her to, to make for their families and whatnot. I remember you sent us a couple of masks, right? I think. Yeah. He gave us, he gave us some. Yeah. That's so, that's so cool. I love that. She just learned it from YouTube. I think that's the coolest thing about being a creative, like in modern times is that like, you can literally pick up a skill like any type of skill online and you can kind of fill any creative void. You can pick up any new creative avenues, just literally just going online, going on YouTube, going on, like taking some course online. Uh, that's pretty cool. I love that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like education. And I think the different ways of, of attaining your education is so different now. Yeah. Um, it's no longer just, just confined to like being in school. Yeah. Like, like you said, you can go and take like, a master class for like three or four hours in one day and then afterwards you know go on to youtube or anything like that and watch a tutorial like it's really cool how now we have such accessibility and that we can take that initiative yeah absolutely i think it's i think it's amazing so uh usually i ask this later but um i feel like it's kind of a good segue other than photography do you find yourself dabbling in any other creative fields like how how much do you fill your time in your day with like other sorts of creative hobbies or how much does creativity fill up your life <laughs> that's a really good question because I don't notice it all the time, but I definitely, I think a large portion of my day is usually re like revolved around some sort of creative aspect, mainly because like I sometimes like, even if I'm listening to music and I'm just kind of like, say, working on something in my room, I love spending time in my room and whatnot. So then afterwards, it's kind of like my place to just like think and reflect on different things. And I'll start writing. So whether it be a poem or just kind of like a short little thing that I have in my mind, then afterwards I can go back on that and I can expand on it. I, I could keep it as, you know, a poem or it's something like that. But just like, or just even like a little passage of 
of thoughts that I have in my mind. And um, I have like a whole bunch of notes on my Mac of things that just come to me as I'm going through my everyday, kind of like everyday life. I'll have notes on my phone and then I'll put that onto my computer. I'm always thinking about pictures. That's the thing. I'm always looking at light, the quality of light on any given day. And, you know, when I'm out cycling, because I love to, to just kind of like unwind and that is my favorite way of doing so, I always have like my phone ready to kind of like take out and then take a photograph of whatever it is that might kind of capture my my eye. So that's super cool. I like that a lot. Yeah, yeah, like whether it's that or even just kind of like listening to music and then just kind of like really getting a feel of the lyrics and the instruments that are being used and and just kind of like the overall atmosphere that the song is trying to create, the message that it's trying to convey. I like, I love that. So I feel like too, like, uh, like expanding into other realms, even though photography is like your main thing, all of those other things like doing writing or listening to music or like just like, you know, even just getting out and like going for like a bike ride and stuff. I feel like all of that comes back full circle to help you with your photography, right? Because it gives you that like... Inspiration. Yeah, inspiration puts you in the right mindset. I'm sure you think a lot about uh, what cool things you can do with photography just through listening to music or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's 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 really it's really cool that like now even being older it's like I feel like I can I'm more aware of that. Like I think we're all more aware that we can we can find and make connections from one thing in our life to the next. It doesn't all have to be in like these small compartments anymore. And I used to think of life and I used to think of my work as that. They were all in very small compartments and I couldn't really do a crossover from one thing to the next. And even when I'm taking photographs, I'm thinking of like, okay, what would be a great song to help me set the mood? Especially for for another person, be it a model or an actor or just anyone else that like hires me that wants to have images done for them. I always think of that. I always think of like a possible story. So even those poems or like those little passages that I write, they can sometimes come back and help me create some sort of guide for say an actor as an example, where I can give them a, a setting, a place and a character or a feeling that they can work off of. And then afterwards, kind of really get into that and explore that as we're doing the shoot. So I try to use all of these different kind of mediums and forms of art to then influence what I do in my photography, because then it makes it easier for me to also communicate what it is that I would like to capture. And it's then easier for the person that I'm shooting to really get into that emotion or that thought and then afterward display that in their body language or in their eyes. I always love to to create emotion, be that through like the the light that I'm going for and the kind of lighting that I want in the image and then afterwards the expressions and then like the eye contact or lack thereof. So yeah, uh, anyone that hasn't or doesn't know uh, Will, you should definitely check out his Instagram. I was looking at it before this interview. Uh, So you do mostly portrait photography, right? That's kind of like your bread and butter. Yes. Yeah, that's great. And uh, your work's awesome, by the way. I love it. It's uh, You're very good at what you do. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. But like, back to what you just said, um, I think photography is like a vibe. You know, when you, when, you, when you were doing like my shoot, like, you know, I wanted to have some professional headshots, but then I had some like kind of more like sexy fun ones, right? Like we just kind of went with the flow of it. And it's very like, it feels like it's a very flexible like creative hobby to have and like obviously like if you have a vision you can work towards that but you can also give yourself the room to just kind of go with the flow so to speak Uh, that's just kind of what I take away from it yeah for me I I always go when I'm you know working on any kind of project regarding photography especially when I'm working with other people um be it like a small team or if it's just one-on-one the way that I worked with you 
I always like to make it as as open as possible, as collaborative as possible, because I want you to feel like free the freedom to express yourself to tell me okay this is something that i would like to try or tell me i'm kind of like hesitant about this and i'm not sure if i really want to try it but if it doesn't work out you know like let's not add that in but i wanted to be an open kind of like conversation between the two of us you know planning the actual shoot and then on the day of the shoot to feel as comfortable as possible because it really does show in the images and Yes, for me, it is a complete vibe. Like, if you are comfortable with the the images that we're producing, or you become really excited because you're just like, wow, damn, like, I love that. I see myself in a completely new light. Then that is, you know, that just kind of added step and that added motivation for us to then kind of continue pushing one another. To me, sometimes the best way that I can describe my approach to photography is like we're, we're in a dance together and there's an action and a reaction. And it's almost kind of like, kind of like a tango. And I love different genres of music. And I kind of use those examples also. It's like we do one thing and then afterwards, that kind of pushes me to do something else and whether it's complete silence between the two of us if it's a one-on-one -on -one shoot i'm just following the person's movements and giving them these minor directions and that kind of thing so i i'm a vibe child through and through my music <laughs> everything that i do uh or like the the photography it's always a vibe Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah we're actually uh so we're actually looking at your website right now so you you've done some work for like publications and stuff right like you've actually had photography published on like magazine covers and stuff do you want to maybe talk a little bit about that like how did how did you get involved with that and what would you recommend to up-and-coming photographers to kind of get themselves out there and get their work out there into like publications or to get going <laughs> well okay so i got my first publication i think in 2019 a few of my like clients actually were telling me and had been telling me for a while uh that there was a website there was a particular website that i could go on and it's kind of like a host like a hub for a whole bunch of different kinds of digital magazines. And I was just like, okay, well, I know that there's a whole bunch of magazines out there and everything and um, online magazines and print as well. But I was just like, I really wasn't sure how to go about it. And there's quite a few different ways. Um, I think the two most popular ways is like, if you want to like go to say something like a bigger publication like L or anything like that, you can pitch to them and be like, okay, well, I have a team, a mood board, I'm going to try and go for this and that kind of thing. And then see if they're open to actually having you be a part of the magazine. And that is something that like, I haven't personally done myself because I just I feel like I'm not there just yet. But then going back to this website, it, it's basically a platform where you're you're just kind of like readily available to all like this directory of magazines and then they all have like their guidelines they have their publication dates deadlines that you can put your or submit your work into and some of them you'll you'll kind of like there is sometimes a cost to some of these um submissions because some of them get such an abundance of submissions on a daily basis and within a month. So, but that really kind of goes, I guess, very specifically to a particular magazine or, and whatnot. Right, makes sense. It doesn't apply to every single one of them. But for me, when I first got published, it was with a model that I had worked with several times, I think over a course of a year. And I was actually the very first photographer that she worked with. And one of the last shoots that we did of, I think, 2018 was this really amazing kind of like Sin City-esque boudoir kind of like shoot. We took elements from Frank Miller's, um, you know, graphic novel, one of like my favorite graphic novels that I really like. And we were just kind of like, okay, black and white, all the images are are going to be that and cool. the the lighting it's so harsh and it's just so the yeah, contrast yeah. is just so like vivid within itself so 
that was my first publication and I submitted my images online to this um, platform, um, which is caviar.com, I think. And I got an answer, I think about a month later, and they told me that I was going to be in their, and forgive me for the pronunciation, I think it's Silas Magazine, (laughs) the January 2019 publication. So I was really excited. And then from there, um, in 2020, I got my first set of covers. And that was really exciting because I, the pandemic was actually kind of like just making its impact here in Canada in like February, March of last year. And I actually ended up getting sick. And during the time that I was sick, I wasn't sure whether I was dealing with COVID or not. I'd had the flu a month before and I was just like, I don't know what's going on. And I was just having a really hard time and I had to go into isolation. I remember all this. Yeah, up until that point, I had been working a lot and just like so much content that I was creating and I was so excited. I was like, 2020 is going to be my year. I'm just going to continue, you know, working. And I had so many things booked um, for the month of March, April, and then I was going to take a little bit of a break in May and then afterwards commence again in June and then go the entire summer. And when I got sick, I was just like, everything stopped. I was not well. I I was in a really bad state um, health-wise. And I was just like, okay, well, the only thing that I really can do, aside from being locked in my room, because I was sharing an apartment with uh, a roommate of mine, was to work. And I had all this work to edit. And that's exactly what I did. I stayed up all night, you know, sleep during the day and everything. And then just edit my work. I'd put in my headphones, even when I wasn't feeling that great, I would take a nap when I felt a little too exhausted. And then afterwards, I'd sit back at my desk and then I'd work again. And when I submitted my first publication to be, I was just like, okay, you know, whatever, whatever happens, (laughs) if this is the last thing that I do and like I die and then afterwards a publication happens, then that's great. I'd I'd like to go that way. (laughs) Well, I'm... I'm glad you got over it and you're feeling healthy. Damn. <laughs> it's cool that it was a, that you used your work as like a bit of an escapism too, I guess, to uh, get away from the hardships that were going on at the time for you. Yeah, uh, yeah no, it was, yeah. it was definitely something that I used to help me keep motivated and keep like a, at least a little bit of hope because I like was not feeling well at all. And anywhere that I called at the time would not take me because I didn't have all the symptoms. Oh man, that's rough. Well, I'm I'm glad that you're feeling better. Yeah, no, it, I, was, <laughs> I was I was very scared, but I was just like, fuck it. Like, okay, you know what? At one point, I was like, if I'm gonna die, I'm gonna die. But until then, I'm just gonna work and then get all of these shoots done, and I'm going to make them all into publications. So. I would reach out to my team um, if I was working with a team for any one of them and I would tell them, okay, so this idea that I have, this is what I'm naming it, whatever, whatever, I'm submitting it to these different magazines on this platform and we're just going to wait and see if we get a uh, response. And luckily, I got a response for every single one of them within at least like two hours of submitting. And even for the first publication that I got um, the cover with, it was about two hours after I submitted that they, I got an email confirming that I was in the magazine. And then I think 45 minutes after that, I got a second email and them letting me know that I had just landed a cover. So so cool (laughs) so exciting for me and that was um for and again apologies to the magazine for not pronouncing it right but i think it's like gamor g-m-a-r-o i got the march 2020 cover and it was just like this beautiful just like black and white image um the model beautiful black model she has like her fro and then she we we're, we're, using, looking at, we're looking at it right now. Yeah, it's, it's beautiful. Yeah, we the concept for that one was very, it was very organic. And we were just kind of like, okay, we 
we're talking, I think, for weeks on end, back and forth. And um, we actually ended up using like different coats and jackets that I had and that she had. And then we were kind of creating different silhouettes to make it look as if it were gowns and dresses and that kind of thing. So we were tying you know, all the fabrics up a certain kind of way, pinning them together and whatever. And it was just, it was just so much fun. And um, I shot those images in my living rooms. We're definitely looking at it and it looks like it was shot like in a studio, you know, with like a backdrop and like, uh, so it's cool that you just did it. In your, it's crazy what you can do and just like, in, in your house or like in just like a, a space you wouldn't predict would be like a exactly a, a lot of my stuff <laughs> actually a lot of my indoor work um that i've done has been in my within my own home i've i've had i've been very fortunate to have very kind of like older apartments especially when i was living in toronto i'm living back home in kitchener waterloo at the moment and um the apartments that i lived in just had like the most beautiful lighting and the Mm -hmm. the living rooms always had like they were always very large and i would always end up just actually setting up my backdrops or making some sort of like little little set within my living room and then afterwards I would shoot there so it was always it was always a surprise um to anyone when I tell them like yeah I actually shot that publication (laughs) in my home and I shot this cover in my home and that kind of thing I feel like too like being a photographer you kind of have to be a jack of all trades right like you not only have to learn how to operate a camera you have to learn lighting you have to learn wardrobe you have yeah. to learn photoshop and like photo manipulation like how like how much time do you put into uh, all those other aspects like photoshop or like wardrobe Editing. stuff and yeah like like that probably takes longer than the actual shoots right yes yeah that definitely does take a good bulk of time i think the planning and the actual the planning before the shoot and then the post-processing after the shoot usually takes the, the most amount of time. And I think a lot of people, they really don't think of that when they're looking to hire a photographer. They're just looking at, okay, well, these are the images that I'm going to get. And is it going to be worth it? Is it too expensive? Um, what's the quality and continuity of the work yeah. of the photographer that I'm hiring? But they don't take into, I, I think a lot of people, I guess, miss the idea that you know, there's conversations that are being had before the actual shoot. And that time, for a lot of photographers, we don't bill for that time because we're just like, you know what, I'm already, you know, my rate is a certain kind of rate. So like, I know they're like, I'm going to get, I'm still going to get, you know, revenue out of that. But then for post-processing and that kind of thing, for me, as an example, like certain images might take me longer than others. And it could just be, you know, the complexity or like the detailing of, say, a beauty image or a fashion image, you know, working with clothes, making sure that everything looks beautiful in the way that, like, say, a client would like that image to look like, to to really capture the essence of their clothing or um for a person um i've had people you know ask me to to just kind of like hide certain things so like if they have a tattoo to remove that or that kind of thing very few times have i had anyone request me to like slim them down or anything like that i try and keep my editing as natural as possible because then i i really want people to feel like i they have been captured um, yeah. and not sure. have an image of them that kind of looks like them, but then afterwards the editing has kind of completely yeah. morphed into someone else. I love that. Cause I think, I think that's one of the things with like all kind of like art forms in the modern era. Like I know with music and stuff, like some people rely way too heavily on the technological side of it and how much you can do. Cause you can do so much now on that other end of it, but sometimes you just have to take it back and like, look at the simplicity of it and just be like, is this just a good picture? Is this just a good song? And can we just like, like, would it survive on just like its core thing and then you know obviously you still spruce it up and still make it look good but uh yeah i I feel like people a lot of people in the in modern creative space really rely on technology and sometimes you have to take that step backwards and just let let it be what it is you know yeah like and i think too like you have to um i guess you have to be sensitive to people's 
if, if there's things that they like, they're kind of hinting at, or you know, body language, all these things, you can kind of tell what people are comfortable with and what they're not. Yeah. 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 That's something that like over time I've, I've developed a little bit more of an awareness for, um, and a mindfulness as well, because it's, I want to feel comfortable at the shoot the same way that I want any client of mine to feel comfortable at the shoot. I want them to feel empowered and able to, to communicate what it is that they are, you know, thinking or feeling at that time, whether it's uh, like something negative, like an insecurity or, you know, something that they would like to try. I try to, I'm not always successful in doing this, but when I'm speaking to, to someone on the day of the shoot, I ask them like, is there a particular side of your face that you like more? Is there an angle or, you know, like when you take your selfies, and that kind of thing. You know your face really well. You're just kind of like, okay, if I bring my chin down a certain way and I have the camera from a certain angle, like I look sharp, I look crisp, I look snatched, all of that goodness, right? <laughs> so it's like, I want them, you know, I, they're hiring me because they, they, you know, see something in my work that then afterwards they're like, okay, this person is going to capture me in the best way possible. So that's exactly what I want to do. And I want to be, um, you know, mindful of that because I never want anyone to walk away feeling like, oh, like that wasn't the best representation of me and that I didn't feel, you know, empowered or happy with the result. Um, so yeah, like definitely some shoots have, de have started a certain way. Like you said earlier, Kelly, that it was professional headshots. And then afterwards we went kind of the other way. And then we had, you know, like these really nice, almost kind of boudoir inspired. Boudoir, like, yeah. So yeah. like some of my clients have been like, oh yeah, actually like I'd really like to try, you know, a nude shot or uh, a lingerie shot. And we have been like, okay, let's do this. And right in the middle of the shoot we've gotten all of our shots and everything like that and then we do something completely different but always with that in mind that you know i want them to feel comfortable and i'm always asking them are you good are you good yeah we're good okay well let's continue that kind of thing so yes it's definitely a mindfulness as well that you have to kind of develop and i think for any any mm. photographer it's something that just kind of comes about within time and i'm sure a lot of it too is like if you're trying to capture a certain mood or emotion you kind of want to get your model kind of also in that headspace too right but you also want them to be comfortable and like um so that's kind of cool uh in that way like so that's another skill i guess you have to have in your toolkit is like also kind of being able to direct <laughs> and read people very you have yeah. to read people and uh and definitely feel out body a uh, body language like i mentioned yeah so for this is you're very informative well i love this i think you're like you get really in depth with uh, the way that you speak about things and i think the i hope the listeners are loving this i'm sure that they are um i'm really happy we got you on the podcast thanks for coming on no man. thank you for having me i'm like i was very nervous when um kelly first asked <laughs> me because i've never done anything like this and i was just like okay i don't know if i'm gonna be stuttering the entire time it's very informative i feel like any new photographers or any new creatives like listening to this i feel like you've given them a lot of like really good advice um, yeah. like, and I, I will like, uh, you know, transparently say that I, I know a handful of photographers, but the reason that you came to mind is because not only have I worked with you one-on-one -on -one more than once, but like, I know how much work you put into your craft and like how you're just like, you're passionate. And I feel like this is what, this is what you do every day, all day. Like this is your thing. And like, you're obviously very good at it and you have accomplished so much in such a like small amount of time. And it's really, uh, it's really cool. And, and I love your work. And I think, um, yeah. And there was one more thing I wanted to ask. I think what has been maybe like your biggest challenge thus far, like in terms of like, you know, maybe pursuing a model that you've always maybe thought about working with or, or like even just like the process, like, have you had like anything that sticks out? Yes, actually. I think my biggest challenge has, um, trying to force myself out of my own head. I've passed on opportunities. Um, I've had you know, brands up and coming and, and, you know, relatively established brands reach out to me and ask me, um, to work with them on like, whether it's been a 
a collaborative project, something that has been, you know, like we get content out of it, or if they're actually, you know, going to hire me. And because I was so, I guess, insecure or just kind of not sure that I was, that I would be a good fit, I've actually passed, you know, quite a handful of opportunities. So I think for me personally, and then also professionally, because it does have an influence on that, is just to remind myself I have my own space. I'm creating my own space as an artist. And, you know, if if and when people come to me and they're like, okay, a brand wants to work with me and whatnot, it's like I'm trying to be like, yes, you are worthy. Like not only are the covers that you're getting now kind of a a symbol of like your growth and your accomplishments, but then also like just the the friendships and the connections that I've been able to make, the fact that I've been so fortunate to photograph a lot of my friends, um, to to make and establish really great connections with people in the fashion world, specifically here in Canada, in Toronto. So many creatives, so many people that are just, they love what they do and they want to do that every single day. And it's the very fact that they're putting themselves in like, discomfort that is allowing them to grow and i remind myself that in order for me to continue pushing forward i have to be uncomfortable to a certain extent because i'm never going to get anything just by sitting around and expecting everyone to come to me now i'm pitching yeah. you know projects to other people i'm currently trying to expand into product photography and you know several other projects as well and I'm now you like utilizing the time that I have at home to try and get better um, at my business as a business owner um, and not just as an artist or as someone that loves photography. Yeah. Now I'm trying to think of it yeah. in that kind of manner and how I can grow and um, evolve and continue doing so and working with others and and whatnot. Yeah, that's huge. I think it's cool because that's the that's the whole thing, right? Eventually, you really get you hone in on your craft, you get really good at it, and then you have to expand and uh, learn the business side. I think one thing that you, that you said that I really resonated with, and I think a lot of creatives resonate with, is I think we get a little bit of uh, imposter syndrome, uh, which is a thing where you feel like you're imposing on this art form and you're not actually good enough to do the thing that you actually are good at. And I think that's a, that's such a huge thing that so many creatives go through because the whole time that you're learning, you're like, I'm not, I'm not professional. I'm not that good. I'm not, but then you never actually realize the point where you, like you are actually good at what you do. And obviously if someone's reaching out to you, if these big name companies are reaching out to you for your products, it means that they've seen what you've done and they like what you do. So I think, yeah, I think you're on the right track. I think it's good. I think too, like, it's like, we're all our own worst enemies, right? Like you could be the best of the best and still not think that or know that no matter how many times people will tell you or they'll really secure that, that thought. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think a good way to overcome that too, just kind of like one thing that I'm thinking is always just to kind of reach out to your peers, the people that you do actually like feel comfortable with and trust their opinion. And if you, yeah, if you reach out to your peers, then you not only get that positive feedback, but you also respect their opinion and it'll help you take on those bigger uh, opportunities that you might be scared to take on or whatever. Um, I think that's such a huge thing as creatives. Uh, I think that's a hurdle that like literally every creative has to go through <laughs> and it's a scary one. Cause you're like, Oh shit, I have to put myself out there. And if I fuck up, like what's going to happen. But I think, I don't know. I think failure isn't such a bad thing. Sometimes you, sometimes you, you mess up or sometimes things don't go your way. Um, but I think it all still leads to something, you know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I think now when I looked like in comparison to myself in my early twenties and I was just starting out and just really like learning about photography, the technical aspects of it. And then afterwards, you know, the art form of it, it was, it was so overwhelming and Uh, like even even now sometimes i'm just like do i even have it like do i even like have it anymore i'm just like covid gets to you a little bit it definitely any kind of shortcoming any kind of you know quote-unquote failure or rejection is is an opportunity to learn it's like a lesson and now i'm looking at 
all of those kinds of things in in all aspects of my life that it's like okay it might not be time for me now but i'm on my own time and i don't have to rush myself to to perfection or to um be a certain oh, yeah. kind of successful like i will get there on my yeah yeah i also think in like in the creative world, perfection doesn't really exist. We're always going to see flaws in the work that we do. Yeah. Someone once told me that art has never finished. It's only abandoned. So you... I like that. Yeah. The art that you put out there, it's just That's you kind of get... Yeah. You just get to a point where you're like, I just got to get it out there. <laughs> but I feel like as a creative, you can always look at the thing that you're creating and find something that you could do better or change. But that's just, you know, the biggest thing is always just to kind of reach out to your peers and be like, does this look good? Is this finished? <laughs> yeah. Like I know several yeah, photographers um, that like, I I'll be editing late at night and, I, and then I'll send them a message and I'll be like, I don't think they're going to give me like a response. And then afterwards, like, I got a response on, on Instagram and they're like, yeah, I really like this. Or actually maybe you can try cropping a certain way or can I look at a certain image um, in black and white or in color if I have it vice versa. So we give each other constructive criticism and I'm fortunate that like, you know, there's so many different kinds of creatives and there's also such an array of like photographers and each of us like mm. we we get our influences from so many different places so um i don't look even at well-established photographers in my area now um being back in kitchen waterloo like we all have our space yeah i'm a i'm a big believer too and i feel like i'm a big believer in like creating a community rather than being competitive with one another. I know it's a competitive industry and everyone's trying to get the job, you know, or trying to try to head. Yeah, yeah. Trying to pay their bills. But I think at the end of the day, if you build a community and if you build like a group of people that do the thing you do, or even like, are just in the same creative space and you help each other get up, you're always going to succeed more than just trying to tackle it on your own. So I think, um, yeah. So I think it's cool to like read that you reach out to other photographers and like you set up those kind of things. I think it's so important to, uh, collaboratively work together to build, build an empire. <laughs> it's kind of different the way that people and society is kind of going about things or at least in, you know, certain <laughs> yeah. aspects of society that like, we want to be able to acknowledge one another and to identify with one another now on a more humane level and be able to kind of like accept the fact that like we all have we all have a space here we all definitely have a space here and we can be in a space together as as a whole so i think for even creators mm -hmm. i think now instead of like you said brock like instead of looking at one another as as competition it's just like i have my style you have your style and like I can now go over to you and ask you, oh, how did you do that in that last photo? Because I really love that. Yeah. And it have it be now out of admiration and out of like, oh, like, wow, like that was, that was really nice. Because honestly, like, like what Kelly said earlier, it's like we are our own worst enemy and we're also our biggest critic. Yeah. So like now yeah. it's like I... I definitely feel a lot more, a lot happier about where I stand with my work and with myself also, because it's just like, I have so many people Good. that I can, I can turn to and ask for suggestions or advice or, you know, critiques on my work or anything that I might like have questions about. Absolutely. And like, that's, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. And we all, again, it sounds cheesy. I'm so cheesy today, but like, we all need each other, like, regardless of the circumstance right so i think this is a good time for you to plug yourself so tell us your socials where can we find will on instagram at william bunchen all lowercase and little dots and little accents on the you you, you don't have to bother with that and my website is <laughs> williambunchen.ca i'm currently only on instagram um i shut down my, my facebook i have a love-hate relationship with facebook i feel like a lot of people do I saw that. I was just looking and I was like, uh, I guess you deleted Facebook. <laughs> I feel like people also stretch themselves way too thin with trying to be ab absolutely everywhere. And I, yes. I personally just do not care about that. And that's another thing that I, I don't know how other creatives feel or like even you guys, like, how do you feel with this like oversaturation of uh, like having, uh, of being a creative and then having to, to feel like you're always needing to be on every social platform yeah it's i don't know it's a give or take it's kind of a weird balancing act to me because i feel like 
it can eat up all of your time and you can put all this time into social media and not into your work, <laughs> which is a bad thing. I think especially... We uh, talk about this a lot. Like, we do, yeah. I think my opinion on it is uh, obviously you need to get yourself out there, but you also... Like, I think a part of getting yourself out there isn't just social media. It's like sending emails or making calls or like actually networking and putting that word out there. I think if you do that really well, then they will seek you out on where you actually like just having an Instagram account, I think is totally fine because like it depends on where your audience is, though, right? Like, yeah. And that's the one thing I've learned through my job um, while working in advertising. Like, it really depends on where your audience is. Like, if you know your audience is a certain generation of younger people like us, then yeah, be on Instagram because Facebook is a lot of boomers and older generations. <laughs> like, it's Facebook will does have the biggest audience, but in terms of demographic like you hit the nail on the head like why waste your time if you know that it's maybe your your demographic is a lot of younger people yeah I I do think people sometimes overvalue social media too I think it's like um, you can sell yourself without social like you could be a successful creative without having a single social media account I do believe that as well so it's like really I don't know if I agree with that yeah Fair I don't know if I agree with that. I really think, <laughs> I really think like social media is a tool that has been absolutely abused and um, used in the wrong way. We have the tools to make it what, to, to utilize it for what it was meant for. I feel like in the world that we live in, you kind of need it. Okay. Here's my rebuttal. Okay. So I, I believe that like, of course you can definitely use it to build an audience. You can definitely use it to make money a hundred percent i'm not saying that it's not useful because it is but i think that you can get by without it because i think if you build yourself a good network of people just around you and just as close enough to you you can still make an income without having to get that reach to uh, people that you don't know at all you know like i think you can still get that like people undervalue the reach that they have of just their personal connections with people and their actual like close relationships uh rather than just the likes because most likes that you get on social media are people that you don't really know and you're actually not going to get that much from them <laughs> Yes. And they, they could be bots and I get what you're saying, but if, yeah, like word of mouth is everything. I think that like, there comes a point where you've reached all the people you can reach through whatever you're doing. So in this case that we're talking about somebody that doesn't use social, your next best bet is social media. Like you want to grow your audience. Friends and family is great. Like we actually have this with our podcast right now, like where literally our audience is mostly friends and family and word of mouth. Right. And part of me wants to actually pay for Instagram advertising. We're not ready to do that yet, obviously. We really got to like get things more on like a structure and we need a little bit more stability in our in our routine with the podcast. But regardless, like I I do think that that using social media as a creative is is very important because you're narrowing down your audience um, to a very small group of people. That's a good question. You got us all heated, bro. (laughs) (laughs) Social media definitely is a bonus. It is a very great tool that we can use to get ourselves out there and reach so many different kinds of people. And now it's becoming so much easier to also be able to connect with people all around the world. So like, I do see the advantages of it, like the way that you can now also kind of create online communities that way, be it Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, all of that. For me, I always have like this love-hate relationship with social media because to think of like some of the, the really great photographers that I absolutely adore, Peter Lindbergh, Herberts, um, Albert Watson, amazing photographers, legendary photographers in the, you know, portrait fashion commercial industry and they didn't have social media but like what kind of like Brock Mm. was saying as well it's like the the reach that we have through the connections through emails and phone calls also is something that works in our benefit and now when I look at social media, I look at it as as the bonus on top of those calls and the word of mouth and all that kind of thing. So it's different ways of now utilizing (laughs) all of these different tools. And just like, I mean, you're going to find your people, you're going to find like the the people that are going to be interested in your Hmm. work and then others that like, you know, may not be for it or just like indifferent. And I think I can definitely live without all of the others. Instagram is just so visual and I love being on there and I'm just looking at pictures all the time. So yeah, for me, it would be hard to get rid of it. I think if I wasn't a photographer, I definitely wouldn't have it. 
it's just the right platform for you, right? It's just it's just the right platform. It's the right fit. If you if you commit to one specific thing like that, and you know, like invest, like even when like say we're investing, I've been learning about personal finance, and I've I've been so fortunate to have this time, especially during lockdown, to kind of you know branch out and learn about different things and it's like yeah like you don't want to put your eggs all in one basket because if say with like the the video games that that one um issue that there was back in i think february the stocks being frozen or blocked like that was such a huge issue and and some people lost a lot of money from that and i'm like nah you have to be you have to be smart so it's like brock's been actually like looking up at stocks too so it's funny that you say that because he's like been all about the stock life this was a great conversation yeah. well thank you so much thanks so much for coming on the podcast like i'm really excited to get this one out there into the world um yeah, yeah super super informative i guess yeah so we kind of we a little bit blindsided well we forgot to tell him about the last segment of <laughs> the thing. oh yeah yeah did you <laughs> but, did you by um, any chance have a uh, a piece of art you want to share or anything or lyric yeah so we, uh, just art of the day something that inspired you um to get into photography or, or inspired you as a creative at some point in your life do you have uh, an example that you'd like to share with our audience that helped inspire you from herbert's amazing fashion photographer and it's an image of i think five supermodels from the 90s christy turlington stephanie seymour and i think cindy crawford is in it and it was for the cover of rolling stone and i remember it was such a very simple image but very striking the women are like they're beautiful but they don't seem to have like a stitch of makeup on there was and that it was shot in natural light and the actual image itself was i think in the backyard of the photographer or one of the models I may be a little murky in that in in that detail but it was like they didn't have enough space in the shot so then all the models had to like really huddle in and that to me was and is an image that I always look back on because it's like I remind myself that I'm the one creating the image I'm the one that is visualizing an idea and then afterwards making that come to life and whether it's in the corner of say a bedroom of mine that I'm shooting, you know, a portrait, or if it's in a, a full out studio with lighting and a team, makeup, wardrobe, all of that, it's like the photographer along with the people that are working with that photographer, we are the ones creating that. So my takeaway is, and, and what I want to put out there also for anyone that is kind of like struggling with themselves about their craft, be it photography or anything else, is that we can go about our work in any way possible now and you can make a space for yourself wherever it is and however you want to go about it on your time don't ever allow anyone to to tell you that oh by a certain point or by a certain age you have had to accomplish this or the next it is completely your journey and whether you're shooting in your bedroom or in your living room or in a in a professional studio like you are still creating to just work on your craft and and focus on that true that love it love it so awesome thank you uh your work is amazing will i'm so glad that we got you on the podcast for anyone listening please go check out his stuff and if you need a photographer for any uh reason reach out we're, yeah we're giving our recommendation five stars yes <laughs> yes will has made me look like a queen <laughs> kitchener waterloo great this has been awesome um so thank you for listening until next time this has been the ink and note podcast we hope you enjoyed this episode with will and uh we will see you on the next one